How do you respond in a crisis? According to many business books on my bookshelf, the best way to assess someone is to see them in a crisis. Uh, When the pressure is put on them, when things aren't going well, that is when the true person shows. That's when someone's real thoughts and attitudes are displayed. It seems quite harsh to me, really. But with the amount of crises around at the moment, we get to show our character daily. Uh, The cost of living crisis, the conservative leadership crisis, the Ukraine crisis, let alone the issues we face in our own work, families, homes, day by day. You could say we live in the age of crisis. The media uses the phrase all the time. There are many people who put their names against that test. Google suggests many originators. But I reckon Isaiah has them pegged. Isaiah seems to have come up with the crisis test before the management books did. Well, over the past couple of weeks, you've been in Isaiah 40. In that chapter, there were great words of comfort that God was giving to his people ahead of time. Uh, Joel had shown us how God was incomparable. He is the creator and therefore has the power to rescue his people. And he showed us too that God cares. He really cares for real people with real problems. And so Isaiah wanted God's people to behold their God, to see what God is truly like, to see the godness of God, to call his people to trust him, because that is where they find comfort. And that is true for us too. If we're to get comfort, we're to look to God, to behold our God, to behold your God. Let me read the final verse from Isaiah chapter 40. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now what impact did that have on your week last week? How easy did you find it to hope in the Lord last week? Did you feel weak? When the crises hit, how do you respond? Or to put it in terms that this passage this afternoon asks, where do you find your strength? In our passage this lunchtime, we'll see that a crisis is literally on the horizon. The Babylonians are coming. And the big issue for God's people in Isaiah's day is whether they're going to listen to God, whether they're going to trust. And that's shown in where they go to find their strength. Where do they lean when things get tough? And so that's the question to consider this lunchtime. Where do you find your strength? And to help us think about that question, Isaiah takes us into the cosmic courtroom. All rise. If you read for Isaiah, you'll find he uses this imagery a lot. Uh, It brackets this section. We'll come back to it again in chapters 45 and 46. And so we enter the courtroom. We get to watch a cosmic court battle being played out. Have a look down at verse 1. Isaiah 41 verse 1. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach. Let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. God calls the defendants to the dock. So who are the defendants? Well, it's the coastlands. When Isaiah says coastlands here, he's talking about the far ends of the earth. This is not Israel in the dock. This is the nations around them, those nations that are like a drop in the bucket, accounted as dust on the scales. 
as it said in chapter 40, verse 15. And the challenge being made to them is this, verse 1, to renew their strength, to find their strength, to show where their strength comes from. These coastlands are to come forward and to speak, they're to give a defence, they're to give their defence in the place of judgment. So let's follow the case this lunchtime, uh, the case that hinges on the question we asked earlier, where do you find your strength? Because Isaiah wants us to see this lunchtime, that it is madness, it is utter madness to look for strength anywhere other than in the Lord, to look for strength anywhere else other than God. Now, as I said earlier, a crisis shows what people are really like. A crisis shows what people truly rely on. Isaiah beat the business management gurus to it. I mean, I still remember walking through Hemel Hempstead, uh, through the shops during the COVID-19 pandemic, seeing the empty shelves as people had rushed to stock up. I even learned this week that because of that, toilet paper shares are in the top stocks to watch in 2022. Although don't take financial advice from me this lunchtime. But the crisis showed something about our nation. It showed that in a crisis, the common reaction was to turn to stuff, to make sure we had enough stuff to keep us going. As a nation, as a developed world, we turned to stuff to keep us going. How about Israel in Isaiah's day? Well, previously in Isaiah, when Assyria swept up to the gates of Jerusalem, the people turned to Egypt for help. The people who'd enslaved them years before in the Exodus. That is where they thought true strength was. And now, another crisis is here. Let me read verses 2 to 4. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this? Calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The threat on the horizon, heading now into the world, the king of Babylon is on his way and he is unstoppable. Just see how he's described in verse 3. He seems to float through the nations like they're nothing. He travels by paths his feet have not trod. He is an unstoppable wave of destruction and despair. The Babylonians are coming. But who's behind all this? Who's put this into motion? Who's stirred up this one from the east? Verse 4. It's the Lord. He is the power controlling the superpowers. Well, there's our crisis. So what are the nations, what are those coastlands going to do? What is the world going to do in response? Verse 5. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. The coastlands see and are afraid. So what do they do? Where do they find their strength? Well, they turn to themselves. Do you see that? Just hear the account, verses 6 and 7. Everyone helps his neighbour and says to his brother, Be strong! The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldiering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. They turn to each other. Be strong, they say. You can imagine the conversation. Uh, Have you heard the news? The Babylonians are coming. Oh, yeah. But it's okay. Uh, I have this idol. 
It's made of the best iron, and we've overlaid it with the finest gold. Could you just nail it down so it doesn't fall over? I mean, when you think about it, it's laughable, isn't it? The people think up this idea, and they tell each other it's good. And then they nail it down, just in case it falls over. The people are trusting in themselves. That is where they find their strength. That is idolatry at its core. Idolatry is trusting in yourself. Well, that's the first option. What about the second option? What is the alternative? Well, the alternative is God. That's what verses 8 to 20 point out. Let me read verses 8 and 9. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. You see there, God has made a promise. Just notice the personal language there. Israel, Jacob, Abraham, my friend. God doesn't go back on his promises. And he's called them from the farthest corners before. He's given the role of being his servant to this people. That's another idea we're going to see more of in the next few weeks. He has chosen them and not cast them off. Not because of anything they've done. Not because of any strength in them. But because of his own decision. So where does that lead? Well, have a look at verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you see the strength word again? Rather than finding strength in themselves, God reminds his people that they can find strength in him. So there are the two options. Yourself or God. It's beyond question. God's people here know that they are weak. A crisis does that. It shows our weaknesses. But God will hold on to them. He has chosen them. He will hold on to them. Verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. You see, rather than having to hold an idol up, God will hold his people up. That word in verse 13 for hold, it's the same word the nations have used for their idols. God is saying, I will make you strong. It's not you making God strong. It is God's hand that makes his people strong. I mean, you can try and make something strong yourself, or you could have God, the power in charge of the superpowers, making you strong. Now saying that, verse 14 might come across a little bit rude. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Now, I tried to get a worm here in my suit. Uh, my wife wasn't too happy about it. Uh, I wasn't sure it was going to fly on National Rail either. But just imagine, just imagine I had a worm here. The thing you would say about that worm is that it's weak. It's helpless. I know it could uh, have a power of being split in two and still surviving, but it's helpless, really. That's the imagery at work here. In my office, uh, bottom of my garden in Hemel Hempstead, we have these kites that fly around. Uh, they circle the sky. All of a sudden you see them dive. They've got another worm. They're helpless. They're weak. That is the imagery here. But the difference is that the Holy One of Israel is with his people. The Holy One of Israel, as chapter 40 showed us, who is incomparable and who cares 
That is where true strength is found. In fact, verses 15 and 16, they hint at how God is going to do this. As the people go into exile and come back out again, God is going to be threshing the mountains, crushing them. Or you could say, as they go in and out of exile, every mountain and hill will be made low. Just as chapter 40 said. Through this situation and how God works in it, God is going to be shown to be trustworthy. He's going to be shown to be strong. He's going to be shown to be the one true God. You're going to see the godness of God at work. As verse 14 says, he's going to redeem his people. He has done that before. He can be trusted. And that redeem language, it's Exodus language. And verses 17 to 19, they're all pictures taken from the Exodus. We're going to think some more about that next week. But remember the Exodus. Or if you don't know the Exodus, it's a story of how God led a weak people out from the middle of the world's superpower. How God led his people through a wilderness, providing everything they needed on the way. You see, God has done it before and God can do it again. In fact, we should expect God to do it again. So there we go. There are the two alternatives, the two choices, the two options. Trusting an idol or trusting the Holy One of Israel. Trusting the one true God or trusting the people themselves. Which is going to provide strength? In this courtroom, which of them is going to work? Which one's going to be shown to be right? Well, the prosecution, they turn to the idol. Verse 22, let them bring them and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what is to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods. Do good or do harm, that we may be dismayed and terrified. If you're a real God, God says, tell us something you're going to do. But as you'd expect from a chunk of wood nailed down to a box, the answer is silence. The idols can't say one thing they're going to do. But God can. Have a look at verse 25. I stirred up one from the north and he has come from the rising of the sun and he shall call upon my name. He shall trample on rulers as on mortar as the potter treads clay. I'm the one who stirred up this invader, says God. Now let's just pause there a moment. Has Isaiah forgotten how a compass works? Uh, You might be thinking he said east at the start of this passage and now he's saying north. Well, that's because, as you can see the map on your handout, for someone to come from the east to invade Israel, they'd have to come down from the north. There's a big desert in the way. You only have to read the history books to see how badly that can go. This is still the same person. And we also have to remember that this actually hasn't happened yet. This is future from Israel's point of view. This is Isaiah talking about something future to himself. But from our vantage point in 2022, we know that this did happen. It did happen in 701 BC. You see, God here, years in advance, is showing that he knows the end from the beginning. And we can see that from our point of history ourselves. Do you see this court case? It shows us that idols are a terrible place to find strength. They're a terrible place to find strength because deep down, they're a false source of blessing and security. In fact, deep down, idolatry is the people relying on themselves. 
but God demonstrates that he is totally other. And therefore, strength can be found in him. He is the one who knows what's going to happen. He is the one who holds the past and the future. As verse 4 says, he is the first and the last. It is crazy to think you could find strength elsewhere. And that's the application. Right there in the centre of this passage is the application. Verse 10, fear not. A Christian is one of God's people. A Christian is someone who has turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so a Christian finds their strength in God. A Christian knows they're weak. And they know that the only place to find strength is God. We may falter, we may wobble. But we know that God strengthens us and keeps us going. And so if God's people listen to what Isaiah is saying here, well, they will not fear. Although exile is coming, although Babylon is going to sweep through them, even though they're going to be taken away, they're safe. The Holy One of Israel has got them. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He can be trusted. He is their strength. And the same goes for us today. As we hear these words on a Thursday lunchtime and we head back to our offices, we might feel weak. We might feel that we don't have it in ourselves to stand in this world. Our current crises may feel overwhelming. The next crisis, it might just push us over the edge. But Isaiah 41 reminds us where true strength is found. So are you weak? Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. But our God is not. So fear not. In the current crises, in the next meeting, in the hospital, God is with his people. So as you go back to the office, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to consider this. Where do you find your strength? The answer, find it in the Lord. He is with us to strengthen and help us.